Untitled, 1935. Artist Unknown. Oil on Canvas. This abstract painting arrived here at the Godfrey with quite the bang, literally. It was near closing time when the galleries began to empty in the end-of-day exodus of all fine art institutions, the guests shepherded towards the exits by staff who also wished to return home. As a result, this gallery was almost empty when the painting appeared. No witnesses came forward to recount a clear view of its arrival. But everyone heard it, though. They all heard the mighty crack of the canvas frame as it collided, fully flush with the cold tile floor, its front facing up towards the ceiling. They all felt the concussive blast of air, carrying the evidence of the incident straight to them, shaking them wherever they stood in the museum. It was determined that the painting had fallen from a great height. It had to, to generate such an uproarious sound. All attempts to move the canvas from the spot where it landed failed. And so it was left alone, flush against the floor, for visitors like you to find and observe it. As previously mentioned, it is an abstract work, mostly grey, with a rough rectangle of white at the center. Dashes of black streak across the canvas in various places, a brilliant dash of red, and a spattering of royal blue peek out from amidst the more neutral, somber colors of the rest of the image. And all across the canvas, sets of four and five parallel lines, where the creator of this work ran their fingers through the still-drying oil paints. Visitors over the years have interpreted the painting in many different ways. Some see a ray of moonlight against a mostly grayscale landscape. Some say it reminds them of an expansive chalkboard filled with equations that they once understood, but have long since forgotten and are now an unknowable language. Still others see nothing specific, but walk away with a profound sense of loneliness and isolation. Yet most guests, when asked, say that they see a door, the rough, rectangular strip of white that runs vertically through the center of the canvas appears, to them, as a brightly lit doorway at the end of a long, dark hall. A hall that seems to stretch out longer and longer no matter your distance from the painting. The light and the door, forever just out of reach. This piece, though untitled, has acquired a nickname among the staff and our regular visitors. Scratch marks. Can you see why? Take a closer look. Look at the sets of parallel lines all over the image, from where a hand ran through the paint. Do you notice anything odd? That those lines are raised and not indented? As if the fingers that made them did so from the other side of the canvas. As if someone stumbling down an impossibly long, impossibly dark hallway was trying to claw their way out. Attention Godfrey guests! If you or someone in your party has misplaced one of your possessions, please visit the customer service desk for the estate's Lost and Found collection. Not to be confused with Lost and Found, the installation by Giovanni Moon, which they created from unclaimed items left here at the Godfrey Estate between the years 1943 and 1957. Any misplaced items that are not claimed within 30 days of their discovery will, depending on their quality, either be donated to charity, resold in the Godfrey Gift Shop's thrifted item department, 
or be devoured by living tendrils of darkness that appear out of nowhere to claim the forgotten objects as their own. So do make sure, if you are missing any personal items, to inform the Godfrey staff in a timely manner or else risk forfeiting possession of them forever. For example, a full set of clothes, including blue jeans, a pair of loafers, a gray cardigan, a green tank top, a pair of tortoiseshell glasses, and an NPR public radio nerd tote bag, was discovered crumpled amongst a large pile of still-smoldering ash 29 days and 13 hours ago. If you are the owner of these items, 1. Please claim them now or risk losing your right of ownership. 2. Your ticket of admission, though free of charge, is only good for a single day. If you wish to continue your visit, please leave and re-enter with today's ticket. And 3. Please refrain from removing your clothing outside of the designated nudist visitor days. For a full schedule of those days, inquire at the customer service desk. Thank you. Judith Beheading Holofernes, 1620, Artemisia Gentileschi, Oil on Canvas. Content Warning. Discussion of this painting's history includes mention of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. One of Gentileschi's most dramatic works, this painting tells the apocryphal story of Judith in vivid and unflinching detail. Judith was an Israelite who assassinated the Assyrian general Holofernes to save her home city of Bethulia from his forces. According to the story, Judith, who was able to enter Holofernes' tent due to his lust for her, waited until he'd drunk himself to sleep before seizing her moment to strike. A popular subject for many Renaissance and Baroque artists, what sets Gentileschi's painting apart is the active nature of the piece, the movement within it particularly in the violence and gore it depicts. Other artists' renditions of this same scene, including Caravaggio's, whose style Gentileschi emulated and mastered throughout her artistic career, lack the sense of the struggle it must have taken, the brute force and sheer strength of will required of Judith to decapitate the unsuspecting Holofernes. Gentileschi does not overlook this fact, choosing to paint the moment mid-act perhaps even as the very first stroke of Judith's sword carves into Holofernes' exposed neck. Holofernes' eyes are wide in shock and pain and confusion, and it's easy to imagine that they've just shot open, clarity through the drunken haze solidifying too little, too late. Yet still he struggles. Judith's maidservant holds him down, ignoring his thrashing body, ignoring his hands as they reach for her face, desperate to stop the inevitability of his fate. Blood from his soon-to-be-severed head sprays in wild spurts into the air. It gushes downward in crimson rivulets, drenching the bedding beneath him and disappearing into the darkness of the floor below. But Judith pays it no mind, instead gripping his head in her left hand, so that her right hand and the blade within it may better accomplish its task. Most women, after all, are accustomed to the sight of blood. The blood of her enemy, as it flees from Holofernes' dying body, is not enough to stay her hand, nor are the pleas for mercy he no doubt utters between each slash of her sword. It is suspected that the deeply intimate nature of the violence depicted in this work was inspired by violence in Gentileschi's own life. 
One of her father's colleagues, a man named Agostino Tassi, raped her when she was 17 years old. The punishment he received for his crime barely warranted the name. It is widely believed that in this painting, Judith is a self-portrait of Gentileschi, and that Tassi was used as the reference for Holofernes. If she could not be granted justice in reality, Gentileschi would create justice for herself and others in her art. There is a story about Annabel Godfrey and this painting. There are many stories about Annabel, but as with most tales of her escapades, the line between truth and fiction can be a blurred one. But there is a story about Annabel Godfrey and this particular work. You can be the judge of its veracity. As the story goes, she enjoyed showing this painting to men like Tassi, those who suffered no penalty for taking what was not theirs, nor for any other wrongs they'd committed. She would do this when the estate was closed to the public, usually during a gala or private event. Always at night, she'd ask for a moment of their time, chatting of this and that as they walked, deeper and deeper into the maze of galleries and exhibits, as the lights dimmed and the shadows lengthened. She'd lead them to this piece, and tell them the story behind its birth. And she'd remind them of what is, perhaps, the oddest quirk of the estate's eclectic nature. The running tally of missing persons last seen within its walls. Then she'd leave them, standing before this painting, to ponder that statistic. Leave them to make their way back, alone, to the glittering lights of the party, now much, much farther away than they remembered it being. Leave them to the darkness, now much, much deeper than before. Most of them made it back, or so the story goes. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knudsen, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. Enjoying your trip to the estate? To keep up with the Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Godfrey Guide, or visit our website posted in the show notes below. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. If you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page patreon.com slash the godfrey audio guide in addition to our various membership tiers you'll also find full episode transcripts for any who wish to read them until next time friends see you back at the museum <laughs>